Well, greetings, imagination connoisseurs. Once again, it is I, your Duke of Dope Discourse, or the man who John Campia calls your existential Mr. Rogers, Robert Meyer Burnett, coming at you with another John Campia Show companion video. Once again, thanks to John Campia for letting me do these. I love them, so I'm happy to do them. Let's jump right in. Here we go. Our first question comes from Disney Gifts by Bryce, sends in a tip. So we know that Pixar will reference horror movies. The carpet pattern in Sid's house is the same as in The Shinings. The, sh the child in Toy Story is named Andy. The child in Child's Play is named Andy. Do you think this is another reference or a coincidence? Well, Disney Gifts, I can't say for sure, but animators are a cheeky bunch. And there are so many things hidden in animation that no one knows anything about, you'd be surprised. So it would not surprise me at all if the name Andy came from the movie Child's Play. But, you know, it's not like Andy, maybe somebody was a big Andy Gibb fan back in the 70s. Who knows? But you know what? I'd like to now believe that it's named after Child's Play. I never thought about it. But who's to say it's not? Ron Frazier sends in a tip. One of two. John, you talked a little bit about Wheel of Time. Hadn't heard anything from you lately. I felt like it fell short of the mark, but I'm coming from a point of view where I read most of the books years ago. So, as it seems you've never read the books and are coming from an outsider's point of view, did you finish the season? What are your thoughts of it as a TV series? Thanks. Well, Ron, I got to tell you. Uh, I only read the first book, and it was given to me by John Campia show viewer Stubble McShave from Sweden. And uh, he's the biggest Wheel of Time fan I know. I can't, in, uh, in fact, I don't, I, I don't know if I could imagine a bigger Wheel of Time viewer. I have to say, I've watched the first season of the show, and they, you know, they move things around because it's an adaptation. But I, I, I liked it. You know, I, I, I thought it was a really solid first season. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the world. You know, um, I, I, I liked a lot of the lore. Uh, was it earth shattering? Did it blow me away the same way that, say, the first season of Game of Thrones did? No, but I thought it was a really solid effort and found it very compelling. So I'm looking forward to jumping in to season two when we get that. And they it was great because they... They greenlit it for a second season way before it even debuted. So the network liked it. Amazon liked it. So that's good. Webstar sends in a tip and says, Hi, team. First-time tipper who has been enjoying the content from the start of the pandemic. And I really love this new format. Well, uh, this new format's near and dear to my heart, Webstar. So thanks for that. Um, but I need something. When are we going to see a Chef Pleasures black t-shirt in the Campia store. I need some big surprises. Webstar, I'm right there with you. Do you know who the first person that would buy that shirt would be? Me. I would buy that shirt. I want a Chef Pleasure shirt. I'm going to call John up right now, and uh, I wonder if he'd answer my call, but he probably would, but I have to continue on with this video. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demand we get a Chef Pleasure shirt. <laughs> Ethan H., one of three. Hey, John and gang. First time writing in. 
but I've been a big fan of yours for a couple of years now. So glad to have Rob back. What can I say? Ethan, you're a man of wealth and taste. Uh, I saw the first Avatar movie in theaters back in 2009, but honestly didn't like it all that much. So I haven't watched it. Let me go on. Since. With the sequel coming out this year, you were all talking about Avatar the other day, and it got me thinking that I should watch it again. So I did last night. Still don't like the movie all that much, but holy crap, is it a gorgeous movie. I mean, the mocap is still a little clunky in spots compared to today, but those visuals still look incredible 12 years later. Always, thanks for, or anyways, thanks for all you do, and keep up. The filthy. Well, Ethan, I got to tell you, I'm a huge Avatar fan. I understand why a lot of people don't dig it as much uh, because it's very classic, classical storytelling. And yes, it's Fern Gully meets Dances with Wolves meets a lot of other things. I particularly liked it, but it pleases me to hear you say that you can recognize how gorgeous the movie really is. It's not easy to do uh, what they did. So I think it's an extraordinary achievement. And I would suggest maybe. I know you just watched it, but there is an extended version of the film. I don't even know if it's streaming. I mean, I have it on disc, but I really like the extended version of the movie. It starts on Earth, where you meet Jake Sully on Earth, and uh, it's pretty cool. Like, I I definitely uh, think that that's uh, worthy of your time. So check it out if you can. But I'm glad you watched it again, and I'm glad you didn't hate it. Maxwell and the Apocalypse says, why is the Scream movie getting such positive reactions? One good reason is the directors are the same guys who brought us one of my favorite movies of recent times, Ready or Not. And John, thanks for Ray, Kim, and RMB. You guys are the new Fantastic Four. I like that. Does that mean that Ray would be the Human Torch? If John's, maybe I should be reed richards but uh because uh <laughs> wait would ray be the thing would ray be ben Grimm? <laughs> so i could be reed richards <laughs> john would be johnny storm the human torch kimberly would be the invisible girl and of course ray would be the thing should i say that <laughs> but anyway uh, you know i think th i i really liked ready or not i thought it was a really smart uh film I didn't know where it was going to go, and the ending delighted me to no end. And uh, I, I really enjoyed Ready or Not. I think I thought that was a, a great, great choice for uh, the directors to to be those guys because they did a heck of a job. And I think, look, hey man, uh, if the Scream movie is good, I'll be the first person to say nicely done. I, I, I really kind of want to go see it. I think I'm going to go see it. Auto from the Grotto sends in a tip. I've been laughing for two days about John's perfect description of the Ewoks. <laughs> Cheers. It's pretty funny. And the way John does it is even funnier. But the thing is, he's not wrong. I mean, I think what makes it so funny is that when you when you, <laughs> when you you really start to think about it, you're like, where did she get that dress? <laughs> and it kind of fits. Are there Ewok tailors? You know? What, it, what is it? Isn't uh, a, a Chief Chirpa? If I remember my action figure characters' names correctly, does Chief Chirpa, like, 
<laughs> Does, when it, when they eat passersby, do they keep their clothes somewhere and just in case someone like Princess Leia shows up? <laughs> but Otto, thanks for supporting the channel. I appreciate it. Future six times, oh, future six times champ Mac Jones sends in a tip and says, "Your favorite studio calls you and says." We want to make a biopic about your life. We'd like you to pick the person that will portray you as well as the director. Who are you choosing and why? Thanks, guys, and love the show. Gotta go watch Film with Bill. Um, that's an interesting question. Well, first of all, David Fincher. David Fincher's got to direct the film of my life. And who's going to play me? Um, since you didn't say somebody like, I would like Christian Slater to play me. But I don't know, like, you'd have to get multiple eras because you'd have to have young Bobby B when I was a kid. Then what What was I like in high school and college? But adult me, Christian Slater, definitely. Can I have Christian Slater play me? Uh, I'd like that. He almost played me once before. I'd love it if Christian Slater played me. Anthony sends in a tip and says, hey, crew, love the show. John, I know you're a football fan. So just in case you weren't aware, Rooney Mara is the niece of New York Giants co-owner John Mara. Keep up the great work. Wow, I did not know that. That is very interesting. I had no idea. Um, that uh, that is that is quite quite interesting. That's wow. Mister Burns sends in a tip one of three. Hey, John and crew, I thought I would put a little show on your radar that I think is coming up in the next couple of weeks. I think it will debut on Netflix on January fourteenth. It's called Archive eighty one, and yes, it's based on the same horror drama podcast with with the same name that went three seasons and i didn't know they were making this into a tv show it's about uh a video archivist attempting to restore vhs tapes damaged in a fire i've seen the trailer by the way have you seen the trailer to the show and have you heard of the podcast and do you have any plans of checking the series out Thanks for all you do and bring on the filthy. Well, first of all, Mr. Burns, thank you for supporting the channel in that way. You know, it's funny. I did not, I'd never heard this podcast. I'd heard the show was coming out. I saw the trailer and I'm like, wow, this looks really, really interesting. I hope it's good. It looks good. I love the premise. Um, and I, again, uh, definitely, I mean, I'll watch anything horror related, anything. It doesn't matter what it is, but this looks, this looks really, really good. So I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked about it. I'll watch it. Um, Jay Bling sends in a tip and says, The situation with Simon Kinberg as a director reminds me of Eaton Cohen, director of Get Hard and Holmes and Watson. Both had solid writing credits to their names prior to directing, but based on their directorial efforts, they should stick to writing. Well, Jay, you know what? It's really difficult. It's really difficult to uh, direct. And sometimes people just aren't necessarily qualified to direct um and you know i i really think that great directors i mean yeah okay orson wells made citizen kane first time out of the gate but he had a lot of experience in theater and he'd done directing before just not of a film and you you have to have a specific kind of a mind because it's one thing to write stories on paper but when you then have to tell them in a visual way, it's it's really hard. It's not something that you can just go do. I mean, I think that there's uniquely pal talented people who do it, but that's interesting. Eaton Cohen, that, that's uh, Get Hard and Holmes and Watson. That is a that's a great example uh, 
it's getting hard. The Legend of Dewey Finn was that what that is? Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Malcolm sends in a tip and says, "Hi, John and team. The pandemic made me switch the movie popcorn for popcorn at home. It was not the same experience. Aside from the movie itself, what is, uh, what is you for you guys about the experience of going to the theater that makes it so unique? Ooh, Malcolm, good question. I can only speak for me, but one of the things, first of all, that I love about the movie going experience is, I- I'm not going to lie, I like the size of the image. Uh, the bigger the screen, the better. I like feeling in, uh, enveloped by the image. I like seeing human beings 40 feet tall or whatever. You see human faces the way you never see them except on a big screen. I love the sound of it all. I love, again, I love the enveloping surround sound, Atmos sound. That's why uh, pristine projection and sound are really, really, really important. I can't abide terrible projection and bad sound. But I think the thing that I like the most is the sensory deprivation of it all. You know, when you're in a movie theater and even when there's people around you and the lights go down and, you know, you're you're sitting in the dark with a bunch of strangers, no one's going to bother you. You're not thinking. That's why I can't stand people who are, I know when people are on their phones, they're not paying attention to the story. And I find, like, when I see a movie in a theater, I can remember so much of it. I remember lines of dialogue. I can remember sound cues and everything because because it's dark and it's not just i mean i love the fact obviously when you're projecting light through celluloid or now it's digital projectors it's still light has to go across a room to hit the screen and i love that idea um and i love that there's all my senses are are uh, there's i'm not looking around or anything like that i'm just focusing on the screen and i think by doing that by by sitting in that darkened room the story and everything that you're seeing, the picture, the sound, the direction, the actors, uh, it, it, it permeates into your brain more, you know, like you're paying attention. It's like when, when I'm reading a book time or when I'm editing, when my, my faculties are all engaged, nothing else matters. And I, I feel the, the experience deep in my soul. That's why I love movies, if that makes any, any sense. A 51-year-old soldier sends in a tip and says, talking about great wives... 16 years ago, my wife and kids supported me leaving my civilian job to serve. Wow, you're 51 years old. I could not do what I do without them. Behind every great man is a greater woman. Well, that is true, sir. But what a what a crazy thing. So you were, you were, if you're 51 now, so 16 years ago, you were 35 and you decided to go serve your country. First of all, that's amazing. Congratulations on doing that, and and even more congratulations for having a wife and a family that supported you and supported what you felt you needed to do. And the fact, I would assume that uh, are you still in the military, being that you're 51 and you're calling yourself 51 year old soldier? Um, that's amazing, and congratulations. And uh, you know, I know it's cliche to say, but thank you for your service. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, wow, man, I'd love to hear more about that. What was it like, like doing basic at 35? Was it rough? I'd love to know. Uh, Bobby Harris sends in a tip and says, I missed the cutoff for the super chat, but wanted to chime in on euphoria. I personally enjoy the show, but I'm unsure of the targeted audience. If I was in high school watching the show, I would be terrified. Would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, look, 
I'm a huge Brett Easton Ellis fan, and a lot of people might not remember this, but in the 80s, Brett Easton Ellis caused a stir by writing his novel Less Than Zero that was later changed or turned into a movie, adapted into a movie that starred Robert Downey Jr., Andrew McCarthy, and James Spader. It was the original Age of Ultron. <laughs> but his books, you know, were about teenagers, college-age kids of privilege living in Beverly Hills and all the shenanigans they got up to, and it was horrifying. It was really terrifying. It was really, really uh, difficult reads and uh, loved them. Love those books a lot. But I think Euphoria reminds me of a Bret Easton Ellis novel. It's rough, man. And, um, you know, I look, the stuff that happens is not it's it's not science fiction, but it's also obviously not. You know, it's not ideal. <laughs> If I had a teenage daughter, I don't know if I'd want her to watch Euphoria, but I definitely think it's a show worth watching. I just, as a, when I watch it, I feel like a dirty old man. Like <laughs> I'm watching something I shouldn't. Scott Brown sends in a tip and says, Today Disney announced that Turning Red is going exclusively to Disney+. Plus. What the hell are they doing this? The third Pixar movie in a row they're doing this to. Pixar movies made huge box office pre-pandemic. So to me, this makes no sense. What are we missing? Well... I don't understand it. You know me. My my, I'm a big proponent of movies going out theatrically. Uh, I think Pixar movies are movies that have huge audiences. And even like John and I were talking about, we were all talking about Sing 2 making only 200 million so far during the pandemic. But 200 million is still 200 million. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. And once a movie goes out theatrically, people realize, oh yeah, I've heard about it. I heard it was good. It was out theatrically. When a movie goes to, to my big problem is that when a movie just goes to streaming, it becomes just another box. It d doesn't have mystique. It's, it's, um, it's just another streaming show. And I think that's a mistake. I, I, I always think it's a mistake to do that. Um, and I, I'm with you. I don't know why they, why they did that. Uh, Chris sends in a tip and says, Hey John, love all that you, Kim, Rob and Ray do. Have you ever seen the Lionsgate distributed films on the four Gospels? No, I haven't. They're on Netflix and stars Selva Rasslingham as Jesus with a Middle Eastern cast and word-for-word -word narration in English. It's great. Wow, I'd watch that. Four Gospels, huh, Chris? Good, good call. I love biblical stories. Uh, I really one day would love to make the definitive movie about Job. I don't know what that would be. I don't know if it'd be like an exact accurate adaptation of the story of Job or it'd be a modern recreation, but I just love the story of Job. Liam O'Toole sends in a very nice tip. I should go, no, we appreciate everybody's contributions to the channel, not just yours, but that was nice. I figured, come on, I'd give you a little Jurassic Park. Liam O'Toole says, Pixar just released a new trailer. Awesome. Streaming on Disney+. Plus. I have Disney+. Plus. I love Disney+. Plus. But I do miss seeing their glorious animation on the big screen. Amen, Liam. Amen. Um, I can't imagine the Pixar creatives are enjoying this, loving the new show, show format. Of course, because the new show format has more of me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I love it, too. I got to tell you, I, I, I love doing the show with Kim, Kimberly and Ray and John, obviously. But it's so much fun. It's like a whole different show. I feel... Uh, I feel young as when the world was new, to quote Carol Marcus from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, I, man, I'm with you. I, I, it just, it bothers me. It bothers me that they're not putting out 
the Pixar movies, um, that that they're not putting them out in the theater. I mean, I I I think it's terrible, to be honest. I really do. It's not good. I don't know why they're doing it. It bothers me. Don't like it. Do not like. Uh, where was I? Right here. Uh, Natasha Scott sends in a tip and says, Hey, John and everyone, been watching since the channel started, and I love where it's going. I do too. I also really love the post games. Seriously, please consider The Expanse. This week's episode, just so much to talk about. Again, I love another woman's perspective too. Well, Natasha, I have to say, I love doing the show now. I think it's great. We should do more after shows. Man, talk about a woman's perspective. How great was it? I hope Don, John doesn't watch this because he hasn't watched the episode yet. But how great was seeing Drummer and Avicerella at the end of that last episode? Confronting public confrontation. I loved it. I thought that was great. I, I have to say, it's not like I've disliked this season of The Expanse. I mean, we're getting the last episode this week, and I know there's probably going to be a huge battle. I feel like we've just watched one long episode, which is fine. I do miss the jumping around different locations. I still love the show. That last episode, episode five, I thought was clearly the best of the five that we've got so far. We have one more to get. I love The Expanse. I, I just don't know. You know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it all winds up. And as you might know, if you are an Expanse fan, The Expanse is based on a nine-book series of which the current season is is book six. And then there's a 30-year time jump. So they're ending the expanse for the time being. I hope I hope they do more. I really do. I think they should do the next books. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I think that um, we're going to see some alien technology show up. It's going to be really interesting to see how that how it all ends. But um, yeah, I love it. So Natasha, I'm with you, and having a, a female perspective on the show, especially with Kimberly, is great too. Uh, Jose Rodas says, "Happy New Year, amigos." Amid all these 2021 best films posts, let's so show some love to my Eternals. I feel kind of lonely on this, but it's so unique. I'm sure we'll be surprisingly grateful for it in the near future for bringing fresh worlds to the MCU. Jose, you and I park our shuttlecrafts in the same shuttle bay. I completely agree. By the way, today on Eternals News on Twitter, they drop new clips, deleted scenes, because it's. I think it drops... It drops on, um, it drops on, uh, on, uh, streaming, not Disney, not on Disney plus, but it drops digitally on the 12th. These deleted scenes with, with Sprite, there are two, one with Makari and Sprite and one with Sprite and, uh, Dane. They were great. I'm like, why'd you cut those out of the film, man? I loved Eternals. I don't care what anyone says. You and I, you know what? We'll be members of our own Eternals Club. We won't let anyone else join. I have no problem with that. Uh, Leo Milmet sends in a tip and says, John, one or two. What are the chances that you will give Scream 2 another chance before the new one comes out? I don't think it's going to happen. It always surprises me to see you lump in Scream 2 with the divisive later sequels, especially 3. It's my personal favorite Scream film and is actually the most well-received film in the franchise so far, according to Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, winning over Gene Siskel, who was lukewarm on the original. Ebert recommended both. I can't wait for the new film, hoping for a satirical return to form. You know, I I love the original Scream, and I, uh, of course they're going to make sequels to it. It was inevitable. 
Uh, Scream 2 is okay. I didn't. I, I thought it was all right. You know, I didn't think it was as good as the original. I much prefer. I think the original is a truly legitimate horror movie. Uh, it works both as a send-up of the genre and as legitimate horror unto itself. So I was down, certainly down with that. Um, I'm looking forward to the new Scream because I've seen them all, but uh, we'll see. We'll see where it's going to go. I hope it's good. I don't think John's going to rewatch it, though. I I don't think I can convince him. I mean, I could try, but I think I might lose. Uh, Paddington 2 is the GOAT, one of two. Hi, John. Love the show. Been around since Endgame, but became a regular viewer for your Spider-Man No Way Home discussions. Well, thanks for that. Would love to hear your thoughts on my top favorite films. Some are rather generic, but I have one or two out there. Uh, and now comes your ranking. Um, Paddington 2 is a goat goes on to say here is favorite films number five Hidden Figures I love Hidden Figures loved it loved it loved it uh, I'll love it. I love also any film to deal with the space program uh, loved it it's, it's it was great uh, four is A New Hope well it's the goat by the way if you love Star Wars and I love Star Wars by the way I saw it opening weekend back in 77 that's how but I'll tell you, um, the, there's, of course, if you don't know, the despecialized version of Star Wars in 4K. The, these fans have restored Star Wars to its original 1977 version, getting rid of all the ridiculous CGI and the Rontos and Moss Eisley. I can't stand all that stuff. It, it, it destroys the verisimilitude for me. But check out, the the, the they dropped on YouTube the despecialized 4K version of the battle over the Death Star, and it's the it's the original version of Star Wars without any CG. It is beautiful. The color timing is finally correct. It's really amazing. Uh, number three, The Dark Knight, bro. I love The Dark Knight. What's not to love? It's it's uh it's so great. I love The Dark Knight so much. Uh, number two, Into the Spider Verse. Again, I mean certainly the greatest animated superhero movie ever. It's just a wonderful film. Good choice. Uh, one Paddington 2. Wow. No joke. The greatest movie ever made and my only 10 out of 10. Well, Paddington 2 is the goat. That was a shocking considering your name. I didn't think you were really going to go there. I didn't think you were serious. But listen, man, you know, as John would say, all movies are subjective. I don't believe that. But Paddington 2, I can say this. It's a pretty damn fine film. It wouldn't be my number one movie. But it's a damn fine film, and uh, if it's your fun, if it's your favorite movie, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Good list though, I liked it. Uh, Bobby Harris sends in a tip and says, Kate Mara did a podcast movie called Ghost Rider that I really enjoyed. My favorite show of 2021 was Only Murders in the Building. I don't remember it coming up on the show, but I wanted to put it on your radar. Only Murders Left in the Building. Steve Martin, come on. Martin Short, what's not to love? That's actually a really fun, 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 fun uh, TV show. What a great TV show. It's, uh, I dig it. Uh, I dig it. It's really good. And it's getting a second season. So that's cool. Uh, Friday Pablo says, hey, everyone. Greetings from the Philippines. Been watching the show since the pandemic hit. No Way Home is delayed here and only got to watch it on January 8th. After seeing it, I watched your open spoiler show and want to ask, 
are Anne and Ray Filipino. Friday, Pablo, Anne and Ray are indeed Filipino. And one of the funniest things was when the grandmother, the Filipino grandmother, was there and uh, she was speaking in Tagalog. Uh, <laughs> they were laughing their asses off. We, of course, we dumb Americans, we, we can't, well, I can't speak your language, but if I could, I would have laughed, but they did. And it was very funny to hear them laugh. So yes, Ray and Anne, brother and sister, are in fact Filipino. Hohos tipped and says, hey, John and family on the show, thank you all for always entertaining and keeping us updated. I look forward to your daily videos. Anyways, I was just wondering if you had, had finished season two of The Witcher. Any thoughts and comments? Thanks and God bless. Hohos, let me tell you, I didn't finish season two of The Witcher, but my girlfriend finished season two of The Witcher and Elizabeth loves The Witcher. She loves it. Loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. So yeah, um, there you go. And uh, I like season one a lot. I can't wait. Um, there you go. <laughs> Mark Nadal, is it is it Neto? Mark Neto or Nadal? Mark Neto, I think. Hi guys. With all of this shutdown going on, was wondering if Chef Pleasures has ideas for dinner and movie combos. I heard of a five cheese mac and cheese on Robert Meyer Burnett's Midnight Metal show that sounded good. What's Ray got? Uh, I got to tell you, Beecher's Handmade Cheese Mac and Cheese is the shiznit. You got to get it. Beecher's Handmade Mac. Beecher's Handmade Cheese makes a mac and cheese that is to die for. I don't know what Chef Pleasure's got, but we can ask him. So, yeah. JP sends in a tip and says, Hi, John. Saw your great Ewok clip, and it got me thinking. Wouldn't we all like to see a first horror genre Star Wars movie? They did. There was a, there was a horror novel, Death Troopers. It was a zombie Star Wars novel, and I would like to see it. Uh, wouldn't we all like to see a first horror genre Star Wars movie? Yes, we I mean, some people think Rise of Skywalker was a horror movie, <laughs> but not in the way we're thinking. Uh, Stormtroopers trying to survive a full night on Endor. People would at least put respect on the Ewok name. Thanks, and bring on the filthy. Bro, JP, I would so watch that movie. I, you, you count me in. I would so watch that movie. It would be great. Great. Love it. Love it. I don't know if they'd ever do it. I mean, Disney would be like, you can't make a horror movie out of Star Wars. I don't know. I mean, there's lots of things that eat you. I think being uh, thrown into the Sarlacc pit, that would be pretty horrific. Uh, I, I wouldn't dig it. Uh, Marie Seifring sends in a tip and says, hey, all, I just purchased Tango Shalom on Amazon Prime. Okay, if you purchase, a, I ask a favor. Please go and write a five-star review. It helps. It helps getting a streaming deal. Marie says, what a great movie, Rob. Congratulations. I wish I had a chance to see it in the theater. For fans who don't have Amazon Prime, where else can they see it? Thank you. Well, Marie, bless you. Bless you. Um, thank you for watching it. I very much appreciate that. So for those of you who don't know, I produced and edited a, I like to call it a Jewish indie spiritual quest family dance comedy fable. Because <laughs> the world needs more of those. But, uh, yeah, it's a low-budget, truly delightful movie that I uh, produced and edited. If you don't get it on Amazon Prime, you still have, it's still a rental, so you can either, like, rent it for $3.99 or buy it for, like, $6.99. Um, 
but it is on most VOD streaming services. So you can get it mo in most places. So it's all over the place. But thank you for watching it. I appreciate that, Marie. Tell your friends. Tell everyone you know. And please, if you haven't written a review, please write a review because it helps us. We have yet to sell the movie to a streamer. And the more great reviews we have, the better off we are in terms of selling the movie. We don't talk about Bruno sends in a tip and says, is 2021 the year of Lin-Manuel Miranda? I think it is. He had two animated movies, Encanto and Vivo, In the Heights and Tick, Tick, Boom. All great movies and musicals. I Look, I loved, I think my favorite movie of the year was Tick, Tick, Boom last year. Uh, I loved Lin-Manuel Miranda. I love his direction. That was the first movie he directed. I loved it. Uh, Jonathan Larson's Life, what a great way to do it. So, yes, I think it was his year. He had a great, great year. Garden Variety Vagabond sends in a tip. Says, John, I've been watching the British show Midsummer Murders. It started in 1997 and is still ongoing as their longest-running procedural. I just finished 13 of 22. And it is sad when the actor who plays the lead detective quit the show. Oh, I didn't know that. What a bummer. Garden Variety Vagabond. You know... Oh, he goes on. One of two. Two of two. The actresses that play his wife and daughter also lost their longtime gig. Amazing how one person's decision affects so many others. Yes, frequently in the in the motion picture business, uh, one actor's one actor's whatever they do can affect a whole cast and crew. Sometimes literally hundreds of people. Uh Aaron could tell you something about that, but that's her story to tell. Um, yes, so that's a bummer. I didn't realize that that had been going that long. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Fascinating. Uh, Mad Morgan's Cardigan. You know what? I was watching Willow just the other day. Mad Morgan's Cardigan sends in a tip and says, Hey, guys, this may not blow your minds, but it blew mine. He's been out of the spotlight for a bit, so it's easy to lose track, but Gene Hackman is 91 years old. Oi! Anyway, love you guys. You four are the ultimate super team. Well, Mad Mardigan's Cardigan, I have to say, first of all, who does not love Gene Hackman? And you know, he was he started acting in films, if memory serves, like when he was 39 or something. But man, what a body of work. I mean, he was incredible. What a great actor. Man, I think one of my favorite roles he did, I love, besides like French Connection, which is obvious, I loved him in Crimson Tide. But he's been in a million different movies that I, just a million different movies that I love. I love No Way Out, but he's so good. Like in the 70s, that man was like the goat. He's been, he's so good. He's so good, but 91, crazy. I'm glad, you know what, I'm glad he retired and I'm glad he stopped working all the time and could sit down and enjoy his life. Canada Girls Love Me. <laughs> me too. Uh, I just started watching Bosch. Is this series, uh, is this a series you have seen? And I love it. I hear there is a spinoff due soon. Do you know anything about it? I love Titus Welliver's portrayal of the detective. Is this something you ever got into? Canada Girls Love Me. I love Bosch. I read the books that Michael Connolly wrote that were based on uh, those book, uh, the Bosch books. Their books are great. The show is great. I love Titus Welliver. I work with him once. He's a total huge geek. He collects hot toys and stuff. I'm not kidding. He's awesome. And uh, I love Bosch. And I don't know which, you know, 
he wrote a book with the Lincoln Lawyer, the movie that Matthew McConaughey was in, and they were doing a TV series of it. There's a crossover there. I don't know what the next show is. I did read about it, though. But Bosch is great. I don't know if John has watched Bosch, but I really liked it a lot. Although, I have not watched the final season yet. I haven't watched the final season yet. Jay Bling sends in a tip and says, You actually did finally touch upon something I was trying to get at regarding a San Andreas sequel. <laughs> I saw, you know what? I like San Andreas. It was so much fun watching LA get destroyed like that. It was, it was the best. Um, despite the first film making money, I never got the sense audiences were clamoring for a sequel. And we've seen underperforming sequels before. You know what, Jay Bling? Not every movie deserves or needs a sequel. I thought San Andreas was a nice standalone movie. I don't think it needed a sequel. I mean, you know, I don't think it did. Because um, what would they do? Have another super earthquake? They haven't built up. I mean, L.A. would be destroyed for decades after that movie. <laughs> Could they ever bring it back? Uh Turd Ferguson, Turd Ferguson sends in a tip and says, I want to weigh in on the talk of Favreau, of Fav versus Best. I have watched, oh, I have watched Endgame and watched No Way Home. Most people would say Endgame is better, but I love No Way Home more. So to me, No Way Home is, oh, oh, I see what's Fav. I was thinking John Favreau. Let me, let me read that again, Turd Ferguson. I want to weigh in on the talk of favorite versus best. I love this debate. I've watched Endgame and watched No Way Home. Most people would say Endgame is better, but I loved No Way Home more. So to me, No Way Home is better. Also, Logan is better than both and is my fave. So that's my take. See, this is, I, I, I strongly disagree with John on the favorite versus best idea. Because, you know, there are movies that I recognize. I mean, I, I, look, I think that movies, there are great movies that exist that might not be people's favorite movies. But I think that those movies, I mean, I know John always says movies are an experiential thing. And look, you, what you like is subjective. What anybody likes, it's their taste. Some people like this food, some people like that food. But as to which is better, people's tastes are subjective. But, you know, there is, admittedly, there are fruits that are better for you than other fruits. They might not be your favorite, but they're better fruits for you to eat. So there's qualities of those fruits. They're more nutritious. So they're probably better for you. They're the best for you, but they're not your favorite. And I feel that way about movies, too. I think, look, there are movies that are fantastic films. Jane Campion, who made Power of the Dog. I do not like her movie, The Piano. I think it's a great movie, though. I just don't like it very much. And I think that that my opinion of a movie does not make the movie necessarily any better or any worse. It's just my taste, and I think that's that's the case. So, yeah, but but see, the funny thing is, is that Logan, aside from the fact that it's it's Logan comes from the X-Men comics, obviously, but it's a very different movie than Spider-Man No Way Home. The only similarity they have is, like, because there's superheroes in them. The stories are very, very different stories. So that would be like saying, like, well, I'm going to compare The French Connection, which was directed by William Friedkin, with his later movie To Live and Die in L.A. 
One is about a Secret Service agent uh, chasing down a counterfeiter in Los Angeles. The other is about a New York cop looking for a heroin connection, going after the, the drug dealers there. They're very different films. Both are about police officers. Which one is better? Oh, I love them both. Uh, they're very different experiences. I love to live and die in L.A. I also love the French Connection. But which one is better? I don't know. I, I don't think you can compare and contrast. I love them both. So it's weird to say that one's better than another because it's just they're different different kinds of movies. Uh, Jonathan sends in a tip and says, Here's a funny story about Avatar. I saw it in 3D one time as a kid and felt sick to my stomach, so much so that I went home. I vomited. So much so that when I went home, I vomited. Wow, this was that bad? Saw Avatar again in 2D, still felt sick. I don't know why this happens, and I haven't watched the movie since. Well, that's not good, Jonathan. Maybe it has something to do with the color or the movement of the cameras or something. Maybe, maybe there's something secret and subliminal in there that's designed to make people sick. I don't know. That's interesting, though. I wonder if you tried watching it again if you'd get sick. Then you'd know that there's really something wrong. Um, I've never felt, I've never heard that before. I did think seeing Avatar in 3D IMAX was the greatest 3D I've ever seen. Jonah sends in a tip and says, While I'm not convinced we will get Amazing Spider-Man 3, I find it hard to believe that Sony will never use Andrew Garfield again. We should see more of him, especially while Garfield is still at the right age to play Spider-Man. Like I said today, if they're going to use him at all, Venom 3. Venom 3. I mean, my God, if they announce Venom 3 with Andrew Garfield playing Spider-Man and Venom versus Spider-Man, come on, man. that People go bananas. Uh, Christopher Rosado says, Hey, John, have you ever seen the episode of How I Met Your Mother where Barney talks about the Ewoks? I have not. I have not. He was going to go into a deep history of the lore and culture of them before getting to his point of the Ewok line where he says... Anyone born before May 25th, 1973 would be 10 years old and won't appreciate the Ewoks where anyone born after that would love the Ewoks because they reminded people of their teddy bears and pretty much said his girlfriend must be lying about her age as she hates the Ewoks and was born in 1982. <laughs> I have not seen that. That's hilarious. <laughs> now I'm going to go I'm going to go look for that episode, Christopher. That is hilarious. Anonymous sends in a tip and says, I have a passion for movies, but I'm very picky on the movies that I watch. I want to be a director, but I feel guilty for not being interested in movies that everyone says to watch. I only find interest in science fiction movies. Is this a bad mindset? Well, Anonymous, since you're anonymous, I can say what I really think, and hopefully I won't hurt your feelings. Yes, it's a bad mindset. Because here's the thing. To be a great storyteller... You need to have a wide breadth and understanding of stories. You really, you really do. And I love science fiction films, but you know, I, I'd be willing to ask, I have to ask, there's a huge wide breadth of science fiction movies as well. Like for instance, in the seventies, pre star Wars, there were science fiction movies that came out like the original planet of the apes, rollerball, soylent green, the ultimate warrior, no blade of grass, ZPG, Zardoz. Any of those ring a bell? They're very different than what you see today. But when you say you only like science fiction movies, have you seen Tarkovsky's Solaris and Stalker? Those are very different films, obviously. Uh, Solaris was remade by Steven Soderbergh. Uh, stories stories uh, 
you should be a fan of stories of all genres because the trappings, you know, maybe you just like science fiction films because you like spaceships or, or uh, whatever. And I, I, this is not a criticism, but if you want to be a director, one of my favorite directors is Stanley Kubrick. He made two, I think Clockwork Orange is a science fiction movie. I do, uh, 2001, obviously Dr. Strangelove. Kubrick could work in any genre. Steven Spielberg made Close Encounters, one of my favorite science fiction movies of all time. But he also could make Raiders of the Lost Ark and Schindler's List, recently West Side Story. The great directors can tell stories in any genre. And if you only limit yourself to one genre, you're not going to be a good storyteller. So I hope that's, uh, I hope that doesn't uh, bum you out. But I do really honestly believe that. Fanimator sends in a tip and says, what movie scene did you cry the most in theaters? For me, Coco's last 10 minutes where Miguel sang Remember Me to his great grandma got me teary-eyed. And to this day, I well up just thinking about it. You know what, Fanimator? I got to say, I one of my great regrets in life is that I didn't see Coco in the theater. <gasps> I know. I bought the Blu-ray, and it's it's striking. It's such a beautiful movie, and I I'm like I'm thinking about it now. I'm not gonna cry, but I will kick myself in the head if I could for not seeing Coco in the theater. What a bummer! What a bummer! Uh, Fanimator goes on to say, uh, sends in a tip and says, buy one, rent one, lose one. Ratatouille, Inception, and Knives Out. Ooh, that's tough. I'm gonna buy Inception. I'm gonna rent. Knives Out, and I'm going to lose Ratatouille. You know why? Ratatouille's animated, so it's not real. Whereas Inception and Knives Out, real. <laughs> so there you go. Fanimator also goes on to say, and for me, for Buy, Rent, Lose, for Matrix, Fast 9, and The Rise of Skywalker, I'll buy Rise of Skywalker because at least it had more redeemable things. Rent F9 because at least there's some decent action. And lose Matrix 4 because that was just effing awful to me. You know what's funny? Uh, I would go the exact opposite. I'm a Matrix fan. I love Matrix Resurrections. I did. I know I'm going to be arguing about this. It's going to be like, it's going to be like, um, it's great because I feel like I've got my Wachowski's defense, the defense of the Wachowski's movies, Speed Racer, Jupiter Ascending, and Matrix Resurrections. I know, right? I know. Crazy. Come fight me. I mean, don't really, but you could. Fanimator goes on to say, much like Man of Steel is the most underrated comic book movie of all time, after a rewatch, Cars is the most underrated Pixar film of all time and deserves more love and praise, in my opinion. Well, you know, I, judging by my nephew, he loves Cars, loves it. So I think, you know, for boys of a certain age, they love Cars. Uh, not just Cars themselves, but the movie Cars. And I think you're right, though. I think the first Cars is actually a delightful movie. It's a lot of fun. I mean anthropomorphized cars and vehicles it's it's fun i i like the characters i like the way it looks it's just fun to watch so i am with you there ghost 89 sends in a tip and says hi john i love your show i've been watching since your days at amc and this is just the second time I've sent in a comment. Well, thank you. Anyway, on your last mailbag, someone asked you if you'd seen American Underdog, and you said you had no interest in faith-based... John, you're leaving me hanging. 
Well, Ghost eighty nine, I'm gonna I'm gonna since I this is my last this is the last question. Uh, it's the last one, but I'll try and I'll try and um, look. Here's the thing. I will watch movies about anything, and I have I have no qualms about faith based movies. And for those of of, of you who might wonder what uh, Ghost eighty nine is talking about, there are a lot of movies. And when people say faith based, look Tango Shalom, the movie I produced is a is a Jewish faith based movie, although it had an yeah a Muslim imam in it, a a Sikh mystic, um, a Catholic priest. And it was faith-based, and it was a film that had no bad language in it and no very body humor or anything like that. It was made for all audiences. Faith-based movies, as I understand them, ones that are called faith-based, are usually Christian films that are directed primarily at American audiences. And they're movies that deal with, I think, uplifting stories that sort of celebrate um, part of the human condition and celebrate being children of God. But they can be about firefighters or sports figures or, or anything. I have not seen American Underdog, but I, I mean, I know what it's about. And, you know, again, you're talking about sports movies and things like that and the triumph of the human spirit, which is very much, I think, uh, 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 the idea of, of uh, the idea of a faith based movie. The problem is many faith based movies were bad. Now they've gotten better. And there's a lot of great actors that are being attracted. I actually worked. um uh, I actually worked on a faith-based movie as an assistant editor called Like Dandelion Dust that I think is a wonderful uh, movie. And I would recommend anyone watch it. Uh, Barry Pepper and Mira Sorvino are in it. And it's about a family uh, that adopts a a child and because it was put up for adoption because the father went to jail and then the father gets out of jail and it's about the families, the two families and it's, I think it's a wonderful faith-based movie. It's based on a faith-based novel, and I would, I would show that movie to anybody to say that, look, faith-based movies, when they're good, can be as good as any other movie. So I haven't seen American Underdog, but I would assume, I hope I did an okay job of answering that question. So there you go. And that brings me to the end of the questions that Mr. Campia gave me. So I want to say, once again, thank you for joining me. I love reading these questions. I love seeing what you guys have to say. And I want to thank John again for the opportunity of being able to answer these questions for you. And I also want to uh, really thank, I want to thank all of our viewers, all the people that tune in and watch the John Campia show. It's you guys and girls and gentle beings and kind souls who make this show go. And I want to thank you for your ongoing support through super chats and tips and everything you do, uh, Patreon to support this channel. So thank you very much, and I will hopefully see you on another companion video quite soon. My name is Robert Meyer Burnett. You can find me, well, of course, on The John Campy Show on Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Find me on Twitter at BurnettRM. Find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett. Or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. And on that note, remember, every person you meet has a story to tell that you have yet to hear. And all you have to do is listen. And with that, thank you from the John Campia Show, and I will see you on the next episode.